Welcome to the Game of Books podcast, Corks and Conversation. But for today, it's Coco and Conversation. So here we are, Kathy, in the same room and getting ready to share some Coco and Conversation with a successful and award-winning author. But I have to tell you, I feel a little bit like we're becoming grown-ups. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, but we're actually drinking cocoa instead of wine, and we'll explain why soon. I do find it ironic that I flew all the way down from snowy South Dakota to drink hot cocoa in southern Florida. <laughs> I know. It's 80 degrees out, but I have turned down the AC, put on the fake fire so we can relate to the majority of the country right now. Yes, and our author today is calling us from Delaware, where it's a little chilly, just barely above freezing, it looks like, and raining, I understand. Yeah, so I think we should introduce her and get started with our conversation part. Absolutely. Our author today is Cindy Callahan. She's the award-winning author of two tween series, Just Add Magic, which is also a breakout Amazon original live action series currently in its third season. Her second series is The Lost, The Five, Lost in Books, Lost in London, Ireland, Paris, Rome, and Hollywood. Good destination books. I love it. She's also the author of two standalones, Sydney McKenzie Knocks Them Dead, and Saltwater Secrets coming out later this year. Yeah, Cindy, so we're so happy you're here to talk with us today. Hi, guys. Fantastic. I'm excited to be here to talk to you as well. And it is cold and snowy, and I have my hot chocolate, and I'm all um, cuddled up and ready to go. All right. We're going to have a sip of our cocoa to get started. And um, I'm going to start with, um, I know you mentioned during our conversation that we had one day that um, you still have your day job. I'm not sure if that was exactly what you said, but... You have such successful books out there, and we're wondering how you combine working and writing. That's a great question. And yes, I do have um, a day job. It's not the day job I, I always had when I first started writing. Oh, interesting. I am what I consider a recovering workaholic. Um, <laughs> in, um, in 2012, I actually left a very high-pressure job in corporate America in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, I was planning on doing a lot more writing, and and I wasn't sure exactly what else I would do with that. Um, And I wasn't home for more than a couple of months before I was contacted from different folks in my previous life asking me if I had time to help them with this or that. Um, And so that began a a one-woman consulting operation. And ever since that time, I've been very fortunate to always have people wanting me to, to work on something. So I do that. I have my own consulting business, and uh, depending on what the demand is and, and things ebb and flow, I do that for maybe, oh, 100, 100 hours a month, and then um, I, I write the other half of the time. But both of those oh. works ebb and flow at different times, uh, and it sounds like it would be really chaotic, but I, I find it very manageable, um, and I really like the way that the two coexist. The, the consulting work is, um, is a lot more of my, um, my external or extroverted fix. Um, so I go in <laughs> and talking to people, and then um, when I kind of need to recharge my battery and I like to be alone, the introverted side of me can take over, and I can go into the writing cave um, and, and do that for a while. So the two oh. actually work really well together. 
Well, great. I mean, do you, um, do you like within a day go from job to job or do you kind of focus like, you know, one day on one job and the next day on writing or one week, one week on, one week off? How do you handle all that? Every, every day is a little bit different. Um, and it, it depends mm-hmm. on what, what I'm working on writing wise. If I'm on a, a deadline, um, I definitely can do both in the same day, Um, Mm -hmm. and I do. But then there are some days when I have very few meetings at at my job, so I'll write a lot. And and then there's some days that I have a lot of meetings at work, and I won't. Today I won't write at all. Um, I've had conference calls since since six o'clock this morning. Um, oh goodness! Then, well, thank you so much for talking with us. I bet your voice is tired. <laughs> do work some work overseas, so I'm able to to flex my schedule, so I can do that very early in the morning, and then um, that frees up time to do things with the kids or whatever in the afternoon. So um, I don't know that the schedule would work for everyone, but for for me, it it really does work out well. Oh great! Well, that sounds wonderful. And um, since you have been talking so much, maybe we should. Um, I mean, not with us, but all day apparently on conference calls. Um, well, let's get a sip of cocoa and um, then move on to another question. <laughs> that sounds great. Warm beverage in South Florida is a funny feeling. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys, what kind of cocoa are you guys have? I'm having Starbucks, mm. actually. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I did, um, I have a Swiss Miss packet, but I first heated up um, cashew milk. And I got it, oh. and I put the Swiss Miss packet in, and it's really delicious and creamy. Oh, that, that sounds really good. Yeah. Good. That sounds great. <laughs> okay, Cindy, you know, everyone loves hearing about every author's winding road to publication. And so I'm wondering if you can tell us kind of how you got interested in writing, how it led to this career, and where you're at now. Oh, great. Yes. It's a story that I love to tell, and it... Um, it feels like a bunch of tangents, but interestingly, just like the, the threads of a book, it all sort of comes full circle serendipitously at the end. So, um, okay. so bear with me. Um, okay. <laughs> so I've, I've always written, I've always been a creative type ever since I was, you know, a little girl. Um, interestingly, and unlike most authors, uh, I wasn't a big reader. I was what I call a reluctant reader. And oh, interesting, yeah. That's actually why my target market is tween girls, but I particularly have a passion for reluctant reader tween girls. And I try to grab them with very commercial concepts, very fast-paced, page-turning books um, to try to get mm-hmm. them into reading because I think it's something that I, I really missed out on. Um, well, I also think that's probably good just to interject in this day and age because everything is much faster paced, you know? Oh, totally. With yes. internet and all that. So Yeah, I can't imagine. If there was a study done in changes of attention spans, I can't even imagine what it would be um, for tweens today because they just have so many competing um, media and communications coming at them in tiny snackable bites all the time that I think make it probably very difficult for them to concentrate for long periods of time. Unlike when I was in school, you know, we had to sit with whatever, a book, an SRA. Do you remember SRAs that were in the library? I do. I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it isn't a very fond memory, actually. <laughs> oh, I hated those things. Anyway. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until after I had, had finished grad school that I found myself 
meandering around Borders at the time, which is now out of business, mm-hmm. um, with my, you know, waitressing money, because, of course, you know, when you graduate from, from school and have your day job, I was still waitressing at night to help pay the rent. And I bought um, probably the first book for enjoyment that I ever bought myself. Um, and it was uh, by Michael Connolly, who I'd never heard of, and I loved it. I read it. I read the, like I read a whole book for purely enjoyment. <laughs> it was I had to, or someone was making me, or I was going to get tested on it. And that began. That book began a love of thrillers and mysteries, and I just devoured one author after the next, everything they had written, and. That's when I kind of decided that I, I, I really did want to write, and I wanted to write mysteries and thrillers. Um, so it wasn't until uh, maybe 2003, after I had my third child, and I was back at work, and I, had, I decided that I was going to need to make changes at some point. I didn't know exactly what they were, but my health was suffering, and I was constantly stressed out and grouchy because I was wor- just working so much. Um, and that's when I started writing more seriously. And I did start, hmm. I started a corporate thriller that backdropped the pharmaceutical industry. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> which is, which is I still have, and it's still in my trunk, and you'll hear me refer to my trunk probably a lot. Um, oh, <laughs> what are those, the books that you haven't published yet? That's correct. Yeah, I have several of them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So in the midst of doing that, my oldest daughter, who was then probably about eight years old, and her friends were over my house cooking in my kitchen. And I was just in awe of how cute they were and how much fun they have. <laughs> mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be awesome if they had like a cooking club? That'd be great. And then what if, what if it was a secret cooking club? And that was the germ of what became Kelly Quinn's Secret Cooking Club, the book that was then published as Just Add Magic. So, oh, that's great. I worked on the draft like manically. I I just could not get the idea out of my head. And I finished a first draft in maybe like two months and then went on to edit it for a very long time. Um, Isn't that always the case? <laughs> and, and eventually then secured a literary agent, and the literary agent, after asking me to edit it, um, then <laughs> sold it to Simon & Schuster's children in, Children's Imprint Aladdin. Um, so that was my, my, role to pub- my road to publication. Oh, that's so exciting. I, I love that you um, started with a need. You know, like a need, and then it led to passion, and then your daughters. I just think that's so great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's a great story. I mean, it really is heartwarming because it involves your family and it involves your past. That's so awesome. It, yeah. And it actually goes on to involve Michael Connolly. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we got to hear about this. Yeah. So interestingly, um, Just Add Magic then went on to become... Uh, a TV show, and I can share with you the process of how that happened. But um, mm-hmm. in, at the time that that was sold, maybe was it 2011, 12, something like that, um, something like Amazon streaming video was very new. This was when House of Cards had just come out on Netflix, and that was the first big streaming show for people to understand what streaming really was. 
And mm-hmm. I was at a conference called Thriller Fest, which is in New York every year. It's a oh yes, Kathy and I have been there. We went last year. Yeah, amazing. Um, and Michael Connolly was one of the keynote speakers, and he was talking about how Harry Bosch um, was going to have something very exciting coming up. And mm-hmm. at that conference, I got a call from my film agent telling me that Amazon had made an offer for the- Oh, my goodness. Oh, how exciting. Oh, I got goosebumps thinking about oh, it. <laughs> and, and then about a month later, I read a press release that Bosch is also coming out on Amazon. Oh, wow. So we are like basically kissing cousins related <laughs> yes. on Amazon. You're basically the same person, yes. <laughs> well, maybe he doesn't know it. And No. Yeah. Well, he's going to know it now. We're going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> the timing of that, I remember that era where where Netflix had made that transition and nobody really got the streaming thing. And why would you put all the series out? And mm-hmm. I remember that time. How exciting for you to be on the base floor of that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, a communication challenge at that time because truly people didn't understand. The most common question I would get is, what channel? Yeah. <laughs> it was very difficult to explain. Even throughout um, the pilot's release, when I wanted friends to watch the pilot and vote on it, that was the process that Amazon went through to determine which of their pilots they would develop into full series if they had a, hmm. um, a customer voting process. Um, and trying to explain to my friends and my parents' friends how to, yeah. <laughs> how to access it and how to vote was it was really a challenge. Um, I bet. And now when I say something like it's an Amazon original, like everybody gets it. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah the the state of that has really evolved very quickly. Wow. Well, that's an amazing opportunity for any writer and to be on the ground floor of it. I think, you know, what a what a perspective you've had. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so should we try our carafe question? Oh, yes. yes. Okay, so this is this, Cindy, is where we often like to ask what we call a carafe question. We have a, a, a carafe with a bunch of different funny, easy questions. I'll pull one out. If you like it, you can answer it, and if you don't, you can say pass, and we'll try one another one. Okay. All right? Okay, so Christy's going to shake it for me here, and we're going to pull one out. Okay. Okay, let me open it up here. Okay. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay. How did you reward yourself after you got your first paycheck for writing? Oh, gosh. I, I, <laughs> there was a lot of champagne involved. we're so glad (laughs) yes a lot of and and it was really good champagne too um so that was exciting (laughs) not the not the under 20 dollar bottles that we (laughs) we use on our podcast (laughs) that's the that is the correct way to celebrate that for sure awesome yeah all right so um i'm gonna switch to a little bit um and talk about your um current work and the new stuff that's coming out and um we have Sydney McKenzie Knocks Him Dead, which is the the last book that came out of yours. And it has a great group of characters, and we really love it. And we're wondering, are you going to make it into a series? I, I would love to. So um, let me just give you a little bit of backstory on Sydney, because she herself, the poor girl, was a trunk novel. Um, 
And she climbed her way out? She did. She did. She stepped on everyone else in there and popped her way out. Um, (laughs) Sydney McKenzie was actually written as my sophomore novel, my second book, and it Uh it didn't sell. Um, And because it didn't sell, that actually led to a chain of events, which at the time felt horrible um, and in the the long run ended up to be beneficial to me. Um, So when Sydney McKenzie didn't sell, my agent Mm -hmm. at that time dropped me. And it was heartbreaking (laughs) and um, and scary. And the thought of, am I, am I going to get anybody else? What's going to happen? Um, was very, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of disappointment. Um, I did, however, go on to secure another agent who then went on to sell, um, six more books to Simon and Schuster. The sixth, the sixth of those books was Sidney McKenzie knocks them dead. So, um, she kind of resurrected, and over the years, I kept you know, fiddling with it and playing with it and um, mm-hmm. fine-tuning it. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's probably my strongest book, because I worked on it for a very, very long time, on and off. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely something to be said for picking up a project that has been put down for a long time, because you can look at it with very different perspective. Right, fresh eyes, and it did win. That's uh, that's what you won the Agatha Award for. Correct? I did. I did. Yes, last year um, I won the Agatha for Best in Children's for Sydney Mackenzie Knox. Awesome. And it was super Great. exciting, and I was just so happy that um, not only to get the award, but that I felt like that, that Sydney really had was patient and had earned it and worked for it. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's a great book and it's a wonderful story. The other thing that was interesting about that time when I was unrepresented was that also meant that all of the rights for the original Just Add Magic book reverted to me. And Oh, nice. <laughs> it's nice, except I didn't know what to do with them. Oh, right, right. Okay. <laughs> right? But what that this was did... This was pre-series, you think? Or... No. Your pardon? Was this pre the Amazon series? Or... Yes, it was. So okay. what that allowed me to do was to try to find a film agent, which I did. And then, and the only reason I could do that was because I had the rights. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was able to find a film agent who wanted to rep it. And that film agent went on to sell it to, to Amazon. Um, And that's the same film agent that I have now, who has also helped me secure an option for Saltwater Secrets, my book that comes out next year. Um, awesome. Is that going to be on Amazon also? or I can, um, It's not Amazon, but I can't. Or you can't I, say. <laughs> I can't yet tell you what studio because that has not been, um, that has not yet been revealed. Okay. But it's because it's, it's a secret, a saltwater secret. <laughs> <laughs> so when's the publication date of Saltwater Secrets? It's April 2020. 2020. Okay. Okay. And we're excited about that then too. So that's a nice future project. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting how all of those little threads sort of um, wove together to make, you know, to get me in the position I am now. Right. right. Like, like you said at the beginning, you know, that you, you that it is a winding road, right, to get to where you're at. And I, it's so great to see all the pieces and, 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 and how you're sharing it and putting it together is so uh, wonderful to hear. Yeah. And I think that it's really good, too, for any future authors hoping to get published and stuff to just understand that, Hey, you know, one door closes, another might open. You just never know. And don't give up basically. 
Absolutely. I am a firm believer, and I I write this in when I sign books. I do book signings for Lost in Ireland, um, which was a book that was originally published under the title Lucky Me. And when I sign that for tween girls, I write in it, make your own luck. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that it does, you know, luck comes to those people who are well-prepared and those who work hard. I don't think things just magically fall in, maybe they fall in someone's lap and they truly are the lucky ducks, but, um, I think you have to try to make things happen. No, I, I totally agree. I also don't like when people say, oh, they have, there are people that have bad things happen to them for no reason. But I think a lot of times people just say, oh, it's just bad luck. And it's just because they weren't prepared or mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah, I think it goes to that. But... I, I agree with you. I, I've, I have teenage daughters and I have told them <laughs> within the last month, you make your own luck. And mm-hmm. so I agree with you. And I love hearing that. What a, what great advice to yes. give to those tween readers. I mean, that's got to be a great experience to do a book signing with tween readers. It, it, it must be wonderful. It, it is um, for so many reasons. Um, like I talked about earlier, being a reluctant reader, if I go to a, a visit or if I get, I get a lot of email or messages on my Facebook page, um, if I hear from one child or their parent or their teacher that says so-and-so, you know, really wasn't a reader, but they loved, you know, Lost in Hollywood or whatever it might be, um, or a kid comes up to me and they say that to me at a visit, I, I, that may, it's so worth every hour and every rejection or every, um, you know, broken pencil whittled down to the bottom um, just to be able to inspire one, one tween to get involved in reading. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Let's have some more coffee. Okay. Hot chocolate. Hot, Hot chocolate. chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Mine is warm. <laughs> I, Cindy, I really am interested in um, an, another piece of the writing puzzle. We all know the writing is the writing, but then there is, of course, the business end, the marketing. And you have quite a business background. And so I'm wondering what you would like to share with us about the marketing end of things. How do you manage all that? Um, I do come from a, a business type of background, so I think that um, does help me look at strategy and execution perhaps a little bit differently than um, than some authors. I mean, I really look at two main things um, when I'm thinking about my, my marketing and promotion. The first is this litmus test. You know, is, it, is it true to my brand? So I would define my brand as stuff girls want to read. Um, oh, that's awesome. I, and I think that authors should know kind of what their place is in the market. Are they the, the book that librarians want um, open on the counter? You know, and that's a little different than stuff girls want to read. Um, you know, mm-hmm. What exactly is their position in the market? And then everything they do executionally should um, be a reflection of that. So, for example, when I'm looking at spending a dollar or ten dollars on marketing, um, first I want to make sure that the execution is true to my brand, and the second is I want to make sure that it's targeted to my market. So, for me, there's several options I have that could be my market. It could be other writers. It could be librarians, teachers, moms, or tweens. Like that's a mm-hmm. lot of choices, and it would be very expensive and a lot of work to market to all of those. So mm-hmm. decisions and choices need to be made. 
And every time you make one strategic choice, it might be the, at the expense of not going in another direction. And for my marketing efforts, I focus on who I think are buying books for tweens. Um, and in my case, it's the moms. So most of okay. my promotion is geared towards moms of tween readers. Okay. That's really an interesting perspective because you're right. The tweens aren't often going out and getting that purchase made themselves. They, right. they don't have the purchasing power for that. Right. So that's a really, yeah, that's very interesting. And so in addition to the, um, you know, amount of expenditure that you have available, what about time? I mean, how much percentage of time are you willing or able to put into this, this piece of it? That also kind of ebbs and flows, um, so it depends on, you know, where I am in a book's life cycle. So right now I'm doing some promotional work because the new season of Just Add Magic has come out on Amazon. That's a okay. great event in time for me to leverage to promote Just Add Magic and the sequel Potion Problems. Um, so I'm doing some work now because of that moment, because I have a moment in time that I want to take mm -hmm. advantage of and I want to leverage. Um, right. Now, I probably then will keep things pretty quiet, and by quiet I mean low budget, um, until I get closer to the Saltwater Secrets launch, at, um, at which time I'll start doing more, let's say, Facebook advertising um, and uh, e-newsletters, things like that. Um, but I don't keep quite as steady a drumbeat as maybe a lot of writers, and a lot of that's to manage expense. Um, mm -hmm. And the other reason is with tweens is interesting because there's a lot of turnover. So a tween who – Right. They grow up, right? <laughs> do. They really – they outgrow me incredibly quickly. Um, hmm. I feel like I have a tween that's right in my sweet spot, and they're reading – um, according to their age group and their skill level, like maybe for 24 months. And then they're oh, wow. probably ready to, to graduate. They outgrow me. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I feel like each time I do a promotional effort, um, I'm, I definitely target um, readers who I know of in the past, but I look at it as kind of a new, it's a new batch. It's a new campaign because um, right. kids who liked me before probably are onto something else. Right. So you might catch a few of their younger siblings or something like that, yeah. but um, but otherwise you're just all of a sudden showing a new face. <laughs> yep. I hadn't thought about that aspect of middle grade or tween uh, writing. I mean, that's because I my work in progress is geared towards adults, and they generally don't grow out of adult <laughs> thrillers, and so that is a really interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah. I I think you've offered some really good advice for writers by talking about your litmus test, you know, that you have to develop your own um, litmus test depending on what your values are. And I think that's just extremely helpful. Yes. Thank you. I know. And it's also kind of a gamble. You know, when you look at, okay, I have, I have a chip, I have, I have a 50 cent chip. I, I can only put it on one, in one square, which, right. which square really is going to make the most sense to me or would I want to break my chip up into six pieces and put a little teeny tiny bit of it into each bucket. Um, and it doesn't mean you ignore the other buckets completely. Like, obviously, if I do school visits, I'm very much engaged with the teachers and librarians, and I, I like to meet with them ahead of time and get to know them and keep in touch with them thereafter. Um, but I'm also pretty honest with them that, you know, I'm hoping to really inspire the, the, the children mm -hmm. in your school. 
Um, so they're not mutually exclusive, but it is good to have some focus. Well, when you started out, did you have, did you put like, um, divide the chip into six and see which one seemed to give you the most, um, bang for your buck and that's how you narrowed it down? I always struggled with it. Um, and I still do because sometimes Mm -hmm. I find myself thinking, boy, that would be a great Instagram campaign for my little tweens. Mm-hmm. I have to prevent, I have to hold myself back from doing it or spending the money on that because I believe, and I, I haven't done, you know, invested and done a, a great like study comparison, but in my, my business gut tells me that they're probably not the buying what they're not buying. Right. Right. That's really interesting. I think, um, you know, you have a natural inclination, it sounds like, to understand the business of writing because of your background. Yeah, I you know. That, that, yeah, I, that's great. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think, you know, we, when we're, as writers, we always think about the writing, right? But this is a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, Cindy Callahan, we are so thankful and happy to have gotten to talk to you this afternoon. Yes, but wait, before we, have, before we go, um, we have one final question that we like to ask all our authors And it's something that our own mysterious foodies will want to hear the answer for. And so here it goes. Which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? Oh, wow. Well, it would totally have to be Kelly Quinn because she could put something, some kind of magical potion in it. And and who knows what could possibly come of that. And she's the only one of my characters that has that. Oh, that would be fun. Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So just to recap, Cindy Callahan's latest book is Cindy Mc- Sydney McKenzie Knocks Them Dead. And it's out in all the bookstores. <laughs> all of them. Yes, all of them. And look for her upcoming Saltwater Secrets that comes out in 20, May 2020? 2020. Uh, yeah. 2020. And if you don't, and if you have, any, if I could add, go ahead. That the most current one is actually Potion Problems. Um, oh, came out just a couple months ago, and that's nominated for um, an Agatha Award at this year. At this year. Oh wow! Yes, thanks so much for adding that. I guess we got a little. I got a little caught up in. We're uh, looking at Sydney yeah, McKenzie right I, now. I she's Sydney. on our table, and she's adorable. <laughs> Um, so if you have any more questions, which I'm sure people will, or you want more information about Cindy and her books, Cindy, how best could people reach out and get information about you? Yeah, there's, uh, my email is on my website. It's cindy at cindycallahan.com. They, those emails come to me personally, uh, and I answer them all. So, so that works. I have a, a Facebook author page, Cindy Callahan Author. Um, so any of those modes of communication work, work great. Great. Thanks. Awesome. Okay, so, um, and also, everybody out there, we'd love to hear what you thought of this Coco and Conversation with Cindy Callahan. So you can let us know on Twitter or Facebook at GOB Writers. And if you like listening, then please be sure to subscribe to us so you can get your upcoming Corks and Conversations with more published authors, as well as our regular Game of Books episodes where you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. This is Christy and Kathy saying thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. everybody.